Welcome everyone to a brand new episode of No BS with Brian and Susan, episode 19. It's a new day. Yes, it is. That's the title of our episode. It is mid-January. It is January 21st, meaning yesterday was January 20th. I'm Brian Kluger and I'm joined by the hostess with the mostess, the person I want to walk to the White House with in a, in a stretch limo with the president's Susan Stevens. Hey, yeah, it's a good day. It's a good day. It's a new day. Yeah, it's a new day. Yeah, it really does feel actually like a brand new day. Like it feels like a restart. It does. It does. So January 20th, inauguration day. Oh my goodness. It is the inauguration of the new president, Joseph Biden and Kamala Harris, we're so excited. Yesterday and today, they did White House press briefings, and it was just pure bliss and boring and happy and (laughs) great. Something I think we've all needed for so long. The asshole is out. (laughs) He's in Florida, thank God. Is that where he went? He went to Mar-a-Lago. He went to his place, of course, to cry into his pillow and hopefully choke on something. It said it really says a lot. Like he left first thing in the morning, but I read somewhere that like a president, a former president, hasn't like gone to the inauguration of the new president like since eighteen hundreds or whatever. Like, like he, it was just really insane that he wasn't there which i'm glad he wasn't there because i think it was like the perfect way to top off his presidency but i mean it just he showed he has shown his true colors people i don't know what more you guys need. i mean he showed his true colors 30 years ago 40 years ago you know he's i mean and he was never gonna go to this like if it's not all about him and praise he's not doing anything so Um, I'm just glad that all of social media companies and everybody has taken his uh, right to speak away because it was just terrible and awful. And I remember there was like the whole free speech thing about it. But I mean, there comes a point where you're spreading lies and false information that affects 500 million people. And then inciting violence, you you lose your right to free speech. (laughs) Exactly. Completely agree. And not that I like Mike Pence, but I'm going to give him a little bit of props. One, he showed up. He was there. And I am so happy. He did a tweet, a goodbye tweet. And it was just his saying, like, his time, like, I will always remember the wonderful time serving for you guys. He put four pictures, and not one of those pictures was with Donald Trump because the rumor is they are not good with each other Bruce. ever since that riot. Right. So I'm, I'm curious about that because I still like hate Pence. Like, oh, yeah. I think he's a disgusting individual um, and his wife too. And I think the only reason he changed his tune because it hits so close to home for him. Right. And because he was still talking about how the election was fraudulent and all that stuff right until that happened. And then I think 
Pence being a politician for so long where Trump definitely wasn't, I think mm-hmm. he understands how it works. Like, right. even though he's terrible and he should never have been elected for anything, I think he knows how it works. And then he was there. And, mm-hmm. um, and you know, I think Biden's a better person than I am because I just, I just wouldn't want to work with any of those people. Yeah. <laughs> just like yeah. it would be so difficult, but uh, yeah, that's great that, I mean, you got to distance yourself from a maniacal madman. Like mm-hmm. you just have mm-hmm. to. So um, curious to see if he'll try and run, hopefully not. Um, but Oh God, I hope the impeachment goes through. They're, they're still proceeding with the impeachment. Right. No, I, I, he needs to be convicted. He, yeah. Uh, they, I mean, he got impeached. He just needs to be convicted now. So. Right, right, right. Yeah, yeah. So let's hope Enforced. that's the, yeah, let's, let's hope. But we're going to talk about the inauguration a little later on. We got our blind watch. Um, it is January 21st. We have some movie and TV and reality show updates coming out. First, we really want to update you. Um, so Disney Plus has been out for a little while. Their big show, of course, is The Mandalorian. Um, and that basically was their only draw uh, for the last year or two was The Mandalorian season one and two. They're, they really have nothing else going for them except for their Disney catalog. But that's not all that great. However, finally, something came out that has given Disney Plus a next step into more subscribers coming from the Marvel Cinematic Universe WandaVision premiered uh, their first two episodes, two episodes out of nine coming one each week for the next uh, seven weeks. And it uh, follows Scarlet Witch and Vision from the Marvel Cinematic Universe. And they went in a very different direction with this first two episodes. Oh my. Uh, Susan, did you get a chance to watch these? Unfortunately, Trevor and I are doing the same thing that we did with Mandalorian. We will be waiting to watch it until it gets closer to the end and we will binge it because that's how my husband likes to watch these things. Um, I've always said Susan's a binger. I'm a binger. I I am. (laughs) I would absolutely have no problem watching. I kind of get it though. I do. I do like it, especially like with shows like, and I'm I'm assuming I might like it with WandaVision too, but even with Mandalorian, it was kind of nice because some, sometimes it's really slow those shows and it's a lot of like build up until like, towards the end so maybe it would be nice to binge that for for my sake at least like i don't mind binging it um since it's short season so but that's fine once it gets closer we're gonna do that and uh i mean i'm excited because that's the one out of all of them i've been most excited for uh wandavision because scarlet witch is one of my favorite marvel characters uh yeah she's a i mean one could not argue, it's unarguable that Scarlet Witch is probably the strongest and bestest uh, superhero because she has the capacity to beat any foe, like as we saw in Avengers Endgame. Mm-hmm. If it wasn't for uh, Thanos uh, raining fire, telling his troops to rain fire down, she would have killed him. Like she had him in her telepathic hold, mm-hmm. killing him until they rained down fire and distracted yeah. I mean, she is the best. So, um, so in this show is, I'm not sure where it's going yet, but the first two episodes, the first episode plays out kind of like I Love Lucy. And the mm-hmm. second episode kind of plays out like I Dream of Jeannie. So first episode's black and white and the second episode starts to kind of go um, into a kind of trippy acid drug sequence of color. Oh. Okay. And so 
and it's there's like a laugh track there's you know it's very sitcom-y so I wonder since we've heard that the next Doctor Strange movie is going to be a horror film and it's going to like Doctor Strange and like the some kind of mad multiverse type of thing like the mad multiverse so I wonder if Wanda and Vision are stuck in this kind of mad multiverse where she cannot get escape or get out of this realm. Um, and she's stuck in like these TV type of shows. So I think from what it's doing, mm-hmm. each episode is going to get uh, progressively um, further in history. So into the future. So we might see like a, like a um, full house type of episode. We might see, you know, like a game of Thrones type of episode, you know, as you know, the series keeps going. So, so far it's pretty good. I mean, you like it. Yeah. Like I like, I, I like the originality to it. Like it's really weird (laughs) and strange, which I think is great because um, there's been so many seasons, so many episodes of spinoff Avengers um, like agents of shield and stuff like that. That is just boring to me. So this is very, is something very different and I kind of like it so far. So I can't wait for you to watch it. I'm excited to watch it. I really am. I, I just, I'm glad they, because you're right. They didn't have much of anything for like over a year. <laughs> like it's just been Mandalorian. So I'm glad they whipped out something else. But um, just like I said, I was excited about this one. So, but I've been, I've been hearing mixed things. So, I, I mean, I'll watch. I'm excited. Good, good, good. Um, and, I, you just said that you binged Mandalorian season one and two. So I've got to, I've got to fucking ask you, do you like Mandalorian? And what did you think of the last 10 minutes of the finale of season two? Oh, I loved it. No, I I really liked Mandalorian. And I thought season two was better than season one. And uh, the end of season two was, was incredible. I will say I totally saw it coming. uh, What the reveal was there. But so I, I like the second to last episode actually a little bit more than the final one. Cool. With Bill cool. Burr. I yeah. Bill was, Burr was awesome. That was my favorite episode of the whole series so far, but I would say the last episode of season two would, would be my second favorite. Cool. Uh, did you get misty eyed? Mm, no, because I, I have hope that there's surely there's going to be a reunion. <laughs> I don't want to spoil it. You know what I mean? Like, it was sad, but I was like, nah, like, no way. <laughs> All right. Well, I just had to, I just had to ask. Mm-hmm. All right. So WandaVision is on Disney Plus. Mandalorian's on Disney Plus. Yeah. Let's talk about um, birthdays that just happened, which is very awesome and very scary at the same time. Um, James James Earl Jones, you know, Darth Vader's voice and Sandlot actor and Field of Dreams actor um, and uh, Dr. Strangelove actor, James Earl Jones. He turned 90 and Betty White, the iconic impeccable fantastic comedian and actress betty white turned 99 That's insane. i mean i i don't even know how she turned like that old so quick i feel like just last year she was 93 i was like 99 what it's been six years susan yeah clearly <laughs> clearly it uh, so this is all i mean this is i mean i'm glad they're still here but i mean 
any day now we're going to get like a update alert and it's just very oh, sad and these that will be the, yeah but i'm just glad that james earl jones will be in coming america too so, right and it looks like from the them. trailer he'll be on his deathbed oh god <laughs> Did you not see the trailer i don't remember him on his deathbed well, it looks like he's like in bed and he can't get up and he's talking to Akeem to go back to America. Oh. So, I mean, it looks like, you know, he's he's not up and running really. But James Earl Jones and Betty White, happy birthday. We really wish you yes. like 30 more years at least. Please. Yeah. <laughs> Please. We love them. We do love them. Um, and now, you know, we've got to talk. This is... a. Our, go on to our reality show segment, which the reality show that is dominating the airwaves right now is The Bachelor, um, the new season of The Bachelor. There's been three episodes so far. Actually, I think four. Four. No, four. wait, wait. No, three. Been no three it's episodes. three. It's going yeah. on to four. Yeah. Going three. on to four. There's been three episodes. Uh, Bachelor Matt James. Um, and he's got a, you know, a harem of women all vying for his love of an affection. A record-breaking number of women um, came for him, and he had 32 women, more than any Bachelor has ever had. And that's – technically, he's going to have more because next week they're going to bring in five new girls. More, which is crazy. But before we move on to this new season, we've got to go back to the Bachelorette um, with Tasha. And Zach, who ended up getting engaged. But before that, it was Claire and Dale. Claire was on the show for a couple of weeks, found her guy with on the first, you know, five minutes of the show and said, I am fucking marrying him. He found the guy before he came on the show. She stalked his Instagram right. and said that was the one. That was the one, yes. And allegedly, according to inside sources, hint, hint, Susan, close to the show, Claire and Dale are no longer together. Oh, well, this is, we can confirm this from the, like, from the actual people. Both of them have officially said it is, it is done. Um, and, and I just want to add, just FYI, Zach and Tasha are still happy and together. Just Yay. in case anyone was wondering, because just Tasha was one of the best bachelorettes and I, and I hope really, I have faith that they can last. I, neither Brian nor I are surprised that um, Claire and Dale lasted about five months. Um, so yeah, it was apparently there were some signs of this even sooner. Like this weekend, there was rumors speculating that they had broken up because she unfollowed his brother or their comments were being deleted. I don't know. All these weird, there's, there's some hardcore fans that do this kind of like investigation, but um, officially on Tuesday night, Dale posted that Claire and him have decided to go on their, to their separate ways. They're going to end things and that we've, <laughs> we've had a great time and, um, we respect, we appreciate all the support and love. Please respect our privacy. But it was really weird. And I will say what was weird is most of the time when these bachelor couples break up, they do a joint statement together. Oh, he said mutually. They do a mutual, cause he said it was a mutual breakup and they usually do these things together at the same time. Like almost all of them or the, like, I don't know, like, or the person who like the lead or something. So it was really weird that Claire didn't have a statement. She was silent. Like I already knew I was like, 
did they? Or like, does Claire know about this? Because that whole season, Claire was listening to what she wanted to listen from Dale. Like you can see plain as day. He did not want to marry her. He was forced to propose to her. It was the most awkward. Even Chris Harrison saw it. Like when, in that the, show, when they had him on, yeah, Chris Harrison asked him about family and kids, and well, he, Dale froze up, like "fuck no," but he didn't say it. His face and eyes said it. He, yeah, Chris Harrison just asked him, "What's next?" And Claire goes, "Babies," and, <laughs> and Dale's face is like, "Uh, no," and he, you can see it in his face. He's like, "We're just, we're just gonna take everything one day at a time." And um, she's like, I would marry him tomorrow. Like, it was all... It, but to her credit, she she is 39. She has made it very clear that she wants to get married and have kids. That is no secret. Now, yes, she was stupid to, like, blow off the show week two and run off with this guy and think that he wanted the same things that she did because he was basically... Like, so uh, everyone in the world saw that he did not want the same things as her. But I also kind of like, I'm really annoyed with uh, Dale because I feel like he used this show to get famous and he wanted followers and he kind of, he, he could have not proposed. He could have not proposed. He didn't have to. So do you think the producers or the execs were like, well, this is just never happened. This is a shit show. Let's end this on like a semi good note, even if their reactions aren't real, like here's an extra fifteen, twenty-five thousand dollars to propose. Like, do you think uh, that's that would happen? I don't think they paid him to propose, but I think they said, listen, if you want to really boost your career, if you want to look really good, you're gonna look so great if you propose to her. We're just gonna give you a ring. You're not even gonna buy the ring. And you just propose to her, you guys just date and y'all can break up whenever you want after the show. Cause that happens all the time. I will say, I thought they'd, they'd give it a year just to, just to like spite everybody that was against them. So the fact that he couldn't, he couldn't even make it six months is telling me that she wanted a serious commitment. She was like, uh, apparently it's that she wanted him to move to Sacramento and he was like, no, I'm not moving for you. So I thought they were living together. No. Oh no. He lives in New York and she lives in Sacramento. They were like just visiting each other. Oh, okay. Cause uh, some of the videos I saw, they were like cooking together. I was like, Oh, they're living together. No, no, they didn't live together. Uh, they were just, yeah. So they, so I think when she, I'm sure she pushed for things like, Hey, I'm, she's about to turn 40 in March. And she's thinking, I want you to move here. I want a wedding date. I want to have kids, like all this stuff. And he's probably like, oh, I don't want any of that. Definitely not. I I only know you for two weeks. Yeah. Like he's like, (laughs) I do not want to be with you. And so, so the thing is that, so he, um, he did his post and then there was also some, some like backlash because right after he made that post, he did an Instagram story where he was just walking around New York being like, Hey guys, give me some suggestions of where to go out to eat for dinner. I just want you to know where I'm going to dinner. Where it made him look really insensitive to the breakup. Like he just put this heartfelt breakup letter. And then he's just asking his fans to give him tips on where to go eat. <laughs> you know? So he took down the video. And he knew That's that made him look like a jerk. Buddy. I mean, that just tells you how much this guy didn't care. He's like, yeah, we broke up. Oh, I'm hungry. <laughs> like, it's just... <laughs> 
Like he's not. And so anyways, officially Claire today, this morning, put a statement saying, um, I was made aware of my, of our, our mutual in quotations, mutual breakup the same time you guys were. So I'm still processing this meaning maybe she didn't realize that they had fully broken up. Maybe he told her, Hey, let's take some time apart. But he, he meant it as like, we're done. And she didn't realize that she didn't know he was going to make that statement. She was, that was very clear. She said on her end, she meant everything that she said. She made her intentions fully known and she's never going to give up uh, on love. She's still going to continue to show up and all that stuff, which I was just like, so clearly, as we all know, they were not on the same page. It's just very cringy to think about all this, this like, she thought this was the one she thought is him. Like <laughs> he really did. I feel, I do feel bad for, and now there's speculation that he cheated on her too. I mean, if they're literally across the country, but I mean, I know they're engaged, but I mean, we don't know the full you know, what really happened, but I mean, I would hope, that after the show ended, he was like, yeah, we might be engaged, but we really need to find out each other. Like maybe like go on dates and not even really dating at the moment, you know, like, I don't know. Like, I just feel like two weeks is a lot of time and we all know the proposal was just, you know, not real. So hopefully they talked about that, but from her angle, she was like, this is going to work out. From her angle, this was her like end all be all, everything like that. But I actually, and I'm I'm sympathizing with her a little bit because this is what I noticed about Dale the whole season that he was on for two days or whatever. He's a people pleaser. So anytime she said anything like, I'm like in love with you. I feel the thing I feel for you is so crazy. Like I've never felt this way. Then he's like, and he would just be like, me too, me too. Like that's what he did. He just he he just echoed anything he she laid, said. Let her on. He let her and on you, completely. You and you can't lead a crazy woman like that on either. You cannot. You cannot. <laughs> you have to be very clear because he wasn't. And even though we could see it, a a woman like she was. He was giving her too much. He should have been like because she did actually tell Chris Harrison. Um. I don't want him to propose to me if he, I don't want him to feel like he has to propose to me if he doesn't want to. And she was, and he was like, no, no, he wants to. And I'm just like, why did you do that? Like you took another engagement from her and like got her hopes up. Like you could have gone and said like, let's just leave the show and date. I want to explore this with you. So to wrap Claire and Dale up, what is Claire doing going to do now? I hope an exclusive video, uh, exclusive interview with Chris Harrison where we can get all the details. Um, that's, that's what I would hope. But, uh, there's talks that she may go on like bachelor in paradise. Um, Why would they even entertain the idea to give her another shot? Well, paradise is like, it's a bunch of people, but I think that would be really stupid on her end because paradise didn't work well for her for two seasons. She was on there and it was like, not her, cup of tea so i i if i was her i would okay on a serious note her mom is has alzheimer's and she's like fading away and i think what claire should do is focus on her mom and just reevaluate and 
you know, grow from this. Yeah, there you go. So let's let's hope so. Yeah. But um, I mean, we, we, I just had to say, I mean, we talked about when they got together, we talked about all this. It is the most obvious, predictable thing. I, I wish I remembered what you said you gave it. Um, <laughs> either way. Right. All right. So Claire and Dale are done. And now uh, Matt James is the bachelor. We're going on three episodes coming up on the fourth. He's gotten rid of some women. He's kept some women. So uh, I guess in a nutshell, Susan, how do you think Matt James is as a bachelor, how he's doing, how he's conducting himself? Um, I just want to add to, let's not forget, Matt James was originally supposed to go on Claire's season. So really, really worked out for him <laughs> to, to become just the bachelor and avoid all that. Because um, I do think he might've been her type. So anyways, uh, I think Matt James is doing well so far. I give him like, if I was to grade him, I would, I would give him a, uh, a a minus right now. I think somewhere between a B plus and a minus just because he has no experience in this. There's usually bachelors were on the bachelorette first. So they have some sort of experience, but I like the prayer that he did in the beginning. I thought it was really sweet and genuine. <laughs> I liked it. Uh, uh, I did not like the prayer. I know you didn't, but I've never seen that. I was literally taken aback. I was like, oh my God, he's praying. And I thought it was super sweet. <laughs> Lord, help me get through these several weeks with <laughs> 40 women. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah. That should have been the prayer. <laughs> he probably was. He's like, what am I doing? Uh, no, I, just, I think he seems like a really nice guy. Um, he's, he's, he seems respectful. We've had a lot of past bachelors, like even like Peter and Colton, where a lot of their dates and their time with women was mostly makeout sessions. And Matt seems genuinely like trying to get to know the women and asking questions to to get to know them. I mean, I really liked what, like he asked one girl, like, what can I do to show you like I'm worthy of you? Like all that stuff. So I, I, right now I like him and he has a good group of girls. What do you think? No, I like Matt James. I mean, I, I, I think he's treating everybody with respect right now. I like that. Um, yeah. I think he's a little, you know, plain and vanilla-y, you know, like there's, I mean, even though he's take he's taking some of the girls like on plane rides and, um, ATVs and throwing them off like yeah you know it seems like he has a little a little wild streak but he's like really calm and collected and there's not like a whole lot of pizzazz just yet um but I think that's a good thing I think maybe yeah. so early and maybe you know that's his nerves too he's being real nervous and very cautious um and I I mean I, I, I like him from you know what I see on television I guess you know he's yeah. uh he seems like a stand-up guy to me, I guess. I don't know him in real life. Well, no, exactly. And honest, I know you are new to this Bachelor world, but I it has been a long time since there's been a Bachelor like him because we've had constant, like, either dicks or we've had, um, like, idiots. We just had idiots. And that's, like, I liked Peter, but Peter was an idiot. Colton, idiot. Ari was one of the most hated bachelors. Um, Nick Vial, kind of a dick. Like, and then 
uh, uh, Matt even said it that he, oh, sorry, I listened to that on a podcast, but Matt referenced a lot, got a lot of advice from the one successful bachelor, Sean Lowe, and that was my favorite bachelor. So I feel like that's kind of why he's, he seems like he's doing a good job. So, um, cool. yeah, I think he's also got a great group of women. Yes. Do you want to talk about Victoria first or the like normal women first? Let's talk about the women that I actually like first. Okay. Okay. I I wrote them down. Oh, good. Good. (laughs) I did. So um, I really like Abigail so far. I think she's the deaf one, I think. Yes, she is. (laughs) She's very sweet. Um, I like Chelsea, who's the model. Okay. Okay. I like her. Um, I, and for me being me, I like Katie cause she's the perverted one, the bank uh-huh. manager, just because like, I feel like that personality and mine would like very much get along. You know, she's well, the she one that brought the dildo to the vibrator to the thing. Mm-hmm. That was funny. Um, and I liked her willingness to talk to Victoria and hear her yeah. story. I mean, I like that. Um, yeah. I like Kit who's the fashion person, but I've heard that Kit, might have gotten so one of the bachelor or one of one of the girls maybe it's kit got this not the real way like her dad somebody's dad is like mom's a famous fashion designer who is kit's mom is a famous fashion so that so it is kit so i've heard rumors that kit got on this show not like the others well i mean i i don't care about that she lost my I don't like her anymore because of what she said to Sarah in this episode. That was disgusting. Right, right. Um, Practically threat her, threatened her. Yeah, she did. But I still like Kit right now. And then I like Kayla, the healthcare um, person. Kayla? Am I saying it right? K-H-A-Y-L-A-H? Oh, I don't know if that's how you say your name. Really? Huh. Yeah. Like okay, interesting. You don't like Bree? Bree's okay. I mean, I like MJ as well a little bit, but those were my top five so far. Very interesting top five that you like. <laughs> we have like, except for Abigail. I I do like Abigail. She was like night one, really liked her. Um, I can agree with you on Katie. Uh, she grew on me this last episode uh, just because she did reach out to Sarah and I thought she handled herself well. I don't know how she's going to be the rest of the season. Uh, looks like there's some drama surrounding her, but I, I, she's growing on me. Um, but I would say my favorites are definitely Abigail, Brie. I love Brie. I think she's beautiful. Uh, it doesn't hurt that she's half Persian, <laughs> but. Oh, bias. <laughs> yeah. No, no, I, I will admit, I will admit before I even knew, she was the first girl out of the limo and she was one of the girls that I was like, oh, she's pretty. And I like, uh, liked her right off the bat, but I also liked her date with Matt because yeah. they had a, they so far out of his three one-on-one dates, I think hers was the best because they, they just had, they had enough depth and a good time. Like Sarah's was really heavy and emotional. Yeah. And then the recent date with Serena P that was like nothing, like nothing, but like, Hey, I had a pet turtle. Like there was nothing interesting. <laughs> I, I but, do. I do like Brie. I do like. Brie. Yeah. With Brie, they talked about how they had the same upbringings, how they were attracted to friends with families who had like whole families and her mom had her when she was 13 and how she feels like now her mom during quarantine has started a new life, like has a 
fiance and pregnant or whatever. Like, I don't know. It was just like, there was depth there and they, they just, they seemed like they got along in a way that was normal. I call it like the normal. It wasn't weird. It was just, and I don't know. So I really like Brie. I like Rachel. It was the one who got the group date this week. I've liked her since day one, just cause she's so pretty. She looks like God, she looks like so many people. She has the dark hair. She kind of looks like Mila Kunis. Some people yeah, say that. I, I see Rachel. Yeah. Um, oh, yeah Rachel like- got the, oh, great. Yeah, Rachel got the group date this week, not the solo date. Okay, yeah. Yeah, and I like Lauren. Lauren is the girl who got the group date rose in the second episode. They talked about, like, religion together and stuff, like faith. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Right. She, she's a corporate attorney. Ooh. And, yeah, which... I've been down that road before. Uh, <laughs> it did work out. The, the, like, I don't know if she's going to make it very far. I just like their conversation. I always look for the conversations. Like people, I, I, I look for who he clicks with. That's right. what I typically like. Um, yeah. I think that's, I did like MJ until this last episode. So many girls turned me off in this episode. I think they were all pretty upset at what happened and rightfully so. However, I think, the person who we're going to talk about next, Victoria, kind of fueled everything. She and did. then, you know, when one and two persons start getting mad, and then three, and then six, and then eight, and then everybody kind of blows out proportion, and yeah. just everybody becomes more pissed than they should. Mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what happened. <laughs> it did. It did. Victoria's the ringleader. She's the pot stirrer. She's the, like, drama. She's a drama queen, even though she's a queen, but which we need to go first back to the Maryland drama before like Victoria out of nowhere decides that she doesn't like this girl, Marilyn. They room together, right? They room together. And I have no idea. Like, even if Marilyn did say, I'm interested to get to know you better just to understand your mind or whatever. I have, I do not get how, Victoria can go from like saying like she bullied me, she's toxic, like all this stuff. She, it it was so intense, and I think when when Marilyn got the orchid for Matt and he gave her that, like I think that was when like if Victoria doesn't get the attention, she hates when someone else gets the attention. Right. And so, you know, Marilyn comes back with this orchid that Matt gave her, and it was all done. So then she goes and talks to Matt, and I I. Again, Matt's not as experienced because he should have known better than to listen to her. But I mean, the fact that he sent her home, I was kind of surprised. I, I could not believe he he obviously just didn't have that much of a connection with Marilyn. Right. So I I was shocked that she got sent home, um, but it didn't seem like it was going to work anyway. Um, yeah. And I don't know, because I know you've talked about it before, but uh, at least with me, um, but it seems like... Matt is keeping Victoria strictly because producers are telling him to keep her. I think that night one, I do think he meant to keep her. I think night one, and I know we talked about this too, that he, he said this on a podcast that because she was going after him so much, he kind of liked it, the attention. Um, I want to say that, I would think that after the drama started, I don't know why he would think that like, he doesn't seem like he even likes Victoria is the thing. Like she will like make him kiss her and he does not seem like he wants to. (laughs) So I do think right now 
producers are telling him like, Hey, just keep her around a little bit longer just for the ratings. Yes. I do think they do that. I'm, you know, so yeah, this, this, this woman, Victoria, who nobody knows her actual, um, her actual, what she does in life. I mean, I guess you can go <laughs> to Instagram and check like she owns like a body wellness type of place or something like that. Um, like she started like a fit company or something, but she, like, she just says she's a queen like Queen yeah. Victoria. That's her that's her job title on the show is Queen. And she is pretty abrasive. She gives really evil eyes to everybody in the show. She she like Susan said the the pot stirrer. She stirs up some shit and she is really not kind. She's actually pretty truthful and blunt about it, which part of me likes, but mm-hmm. Oh man, it's not in a good way. It's kind of like from Claire's like thing with uh, Yosef. Yeah. I think Yosef was completely right and all of that stuff, but the way he went about it was, was really wrong. wrong. And uh, yeah. I think that's kind of how Victoria is. Like Victoria might not be right all the time, but she is going about it in such a horrible way, I think. Right? Yeah, I think it's just... Well, it's almost like she likes to, and it's funny. I don't like it. She's very hypocritical. She calls all these other women toxic and bullies when I'm like, you're the toxic one and you're the bully. But like, like literally this episode ended, she's happy. She sent Marilyn home. And then because Sarah fainted, she's like, I don't like Sarah. I don't like her. That's toxic. That's she's, she needs to go. She's toxic. She, we, and then it's like the beginning of the episode, she had her eyes set on Sarah. It was like, she already targeted her. She's like, I'm not going to let, and so all, okay, let's, so, I mean, what Sarah did, we can talk about that. Like, I know it wasn't right. She basically, she, she, there's one of these people every season where they don't know what they signed up for, which is really annoying because you should know by now what you signed up for. Yes. The lead is going to date 30 plus people. And she was just like, oh my God, he has connections with other people. And she was in her head and decides to go on a group date that she was not supposed to be on literally just to like maybe get some affirmation from Matt. And it takes away time from the other women. And it is, it is rude. Yes, that is rude. She shouldn't have done that. It's not the right timing. And I, Sarah was a favorite of mine. Until once she did that, then I was like, I didn't care for her anymore. Well, yeah, she she fainted, which I guess she just had all these nerves and all these stuff, which fine, that happened. But then when uh, Katie was on the one-on-one or like just spending time with them and on the group date, and then Sarah comes in, who's not part of any of the date. She just came by and interrupted Katie to do this and they kissed. And it was just kind of like, why is this happening? And then... Kay told everybody and then Sarah tried to come down and apologize and say it, but she kind of like played victim and it was really weird, but Victoria didn't buy it and just like fueled that fire. There was a better way to handle that situation, but man, it went downhill fast. Well, I mean, it didn't help. So like that happens. And then what's odd is that Sarah decides to stay in her room like the whole time until like, like 
she comes down very rarely, which is kind of weird. And so it, it doesn't make her look good. It doesn't make her look like she wants to talk to anybody. But again, we should remember, we don't know what's going on with Sarah. Like they don't know what's going on with Sarah. We know Sarah's father has uh, ALS and, you know, he's dying. So who even knows if she needs to go to her room and like not uh, socialize with everybody, then that's fine. But I mean, I see why the girls are upset. Um, but it doesn't help too when Matt comes to pick Serena P up for her date. Sarah's not there. And then once again, Matt goes and gives Sarah time that's taken away from other people. So this was all like piling up. I, I do agree the girls have a right to be upset. They have a right to explain their side of things and be like, well, do you understand? Like, this is why we're upset. But Sarah did try to apologize. She's crying. She's apologizing. And then these girls, because Victoria is like, you can say sorry 20 more times. I'll never forgive you. I'll never forgive you. <laughs> that did <I'm>, happen. <laughs> I was like, wow. Uh, Very mature. Very Right, mature. right. And then I think the worst thing though, honestly, like, I mean, these girls were getting so mad, but that's what I hated what Kit said to her. I thought if Kit said that to someone said this to me in like a living situation, I would want to leave. I would cry. Uh, but Kit was like, I hope your relationship with Matt is strong because your living situation is about to get rough. <laughs> that is so messed up. Like, are you kidding me? That is not okay to say to somebody. That's not okay. Like it, it makes me mad because women should be supporting other women. Like it, I mean, for the most part, you know, if, if you're acting like a fool that there's a difference, but she's sitting there crying, trying to explain like there was stuff going on. And then, and then, uh, and then you're threatening her. Like how, that's not what you should, you should be like, if anything, one of those girls should have been like, well, do you mind opening up? Like what? Or, I mean, obviously Katie has the brains to go reach out to her separately. No, and, and I like that. Yeah. And she came back and told the group, like, keep it classy. Yeah. Everybody has a story. That's why I like Katie so much right now. Like, I mm -hmm. really think she knows exactly, you know, how to go about life from that instance right. where, as why I like Kit, I think everybody just got really heated in these day or two, all anger, all frustrations, no matter what they were, ended up going towards Sarah in this moment. And it all came out. Yeah. I just, and that's what I don't get. It's like, they did, they did like put it all on her and like, even like MJ, like Sarah asked MJ, can I talk to you for a minute? MJ's like, I need to cool off. I'm like, yeah. cool off from what? Like, what are you talking about? Why? Some of these women just wanted to be mad. I just, it, it bothered me because it felt like when I saw that, I, it was one of the grossest things I've ever seen on this show, by the way. And I've seen wow. a lot of villains. Honestly, that was really gross. Um, because what I saw was a, a girl who like had no one to help her in that moment. And all these women just attacked her. Like that was a legit attack. So I want to talk about that. There was a shot of her asking MJ to talk and she's crying. And MJ said that like, I need to cool off. And I mean, it's just a shot from behind of Sarah, just kind of like, like a little kid just like mm -hmm. needs a hug and nobody, yeah. was, I mean, we don't know who came to her aid because right. that's all they showed, but there could have I been mean, more girls. There could have been more girls that went to her. Right. But I mean, they definitely left it like, 
she is crying. Nobody is helping her. And then the next, you know, scene is her going to Matt's place um, and saying, hey, I'm going to leave the show. Why are you leaving the show? And then the thing that really threw me a loop was that she said it was because of the other girls. And I'm like, what? (laughs) Well, she didn't, she didn't say that's why she was leaving. She said, she said it was part of it, but she said, I I need to go like, this isn't the right, like, it's it's not the right environment for me. And, and, you know, she kind of alluded that it was like, she needed to go be with her dad and stuff. It ultimately Sarah would have been eaten alive in this environment not because of the girls like she it was going to get harder like for her to be bothered now she's not going to be able to take it when it comes down to the top 10 and eight and you know fantasy suites all that stuff it's a it's a huge red flag in life into into a partner if she's acting this way on week two like what's it going to be like eight years from now like it was a huge red flag and You know, maybe uh, Matt was happy about it <laughs> secretly, but he was like, please, I like you, please stay. Yeah. But I don't know, because there's definitely red flags of her, you know, two episodes in wanting constant reassurance. Like yeah, there's just like, something bad there. You can't, you cannot, con- and he would have gotten tired of it. Every Every season this happens, like there's usually a girl that, he had a strong connection and he would have been into it in the beginning, but after a while he would have been like, I can't do this anymore. Like she could have made it far, but he would not be able to be with somebody who needs like that constant, like, even though he was even like, she was the type of girl that she could, he'd give it to her and it won't, it won't mean anything like in the, yeah. So ultimately it's great that she left for her own health, but I am glad she told him that some of these girls are vicious because they were. No, they were. And I wonder if he knows who they are, if he knows it's kind of stems from Victoria, then passes that ugliness down the Mm -hmm. chain. Um, But uh, I'm curious on where it's going to go. I'm very curious on if there will actually be kind of a climactic moment between Matt and Victoria, where it's all revealed, like maybe how much of a bully and toxic she is. Maybe he'll see it from like afar and actually witness it. I don't, I don't know. I'm wonder if that's building up to something like that. I hope, I hope there's something. Um, the chances are that women tell all will be the big, the big reveal. Uh, I've already, Kit has already made a s- apology statement for what she did. Uh, even though I don't like those very much. And unless Kit reached out to Sarah directly, I don't care about those, um, those statements because you're when you say I'm sorry to Sarah and everybody else that's like okay did you say sorry to Sarah are you cool with Sarah or are you just trying to fix your image um <laughs> but but uh yeah I think when the women tell all these girls are probably feeling so bad right now because they didn't know about her dad and it's gonna like they're getting their people are going at them because of, they look so bad right right um so, yeah. no it's it's it seems like so I hope Sarah does a podcast and talks about like why she entered this show because it seems like she definitely was not ready for it. Yeah. Especially with her dad being in the situation and like why would you put yourself through this? Why would you do right. it? So maybe she thought she could and I, I don't know. But um that 
it's an interesting season so far. <laughs> There's a few girls that I definitely want to see succeed. Um, and I'm can't wait for Victoria to go home. No, I'm curious. And like they've shown in the trailers, um, Matt crying and Matt sitting on a like a stoop with Chris Harrison, like, can you do this? And he's like, no, I can't. And he gets up. So I wonder if like somebody in his family dies or like mm-hmm. somebody calls him out or something is revealed. I don't know. But cause I know they always, like you said in the beginning, like they always frame it as something and it's something different. Yeah. It could be, it could be anything. It could literally be that a girl left that he cared about yeah. and he's crying and he just feels bad. Like he just feels bad. That he's yeah. Saying- so we'll see. Well, we will see. So is that, does that wrap up our bachelor yes. talk? Yes. That yes. wraps up our bachelor talk for mm-hmm. this episode. There's so much coming uh, in the future for this show and talk wise, <laughs> we just need to do a separate podcast really for bachelor. We should, <laughs> um, but uh, we'll see who it is. We'll see. Um, should, before we move on, do we, should we give like a prediction of who he'll end up with? Um, I mean, it's based so off early. three episodes. Yeah. Based off three episodes. One. Okay. It, it could change. It could change, but let's go ahead. And, uh, what's your, what's your prediction? I'm going with Katie or Abigail. I'm going to stick with Katie. Wow. Okay. I'm thinking either Brie or Rachel. Um, right now I'll say Brie. Okay. Brie for you, Katie right. for me. Right now, but I, I, I think Rachel, I, I have a feeling when I see Rachel on a one-on-one, I could change my mind. Right. Well, there you go. Wrapped up the Bachelor movie, TV, reality show updates. Let's move on to our main event, the new president. It's a new day. Yes, Woo! it is. Inauguration day, uh, Biden, Harris. It happened. It's here. It feels great. Uh, Susan, take it away. Yeah, I mean, honestly, it's just... I, I, I had to work while it was happening, but I did finally, like, I looked it up afterwards and when they got sworn in, I literally teared up on both of them. It was, it was like, you could finally breathe easy once it was like, even, especially when Biden spoke, I was just, it was like this huge weight got lifted and I was just breathing easier and easier because I, I forgot how president spoke. Like, how they can just talk and make you feel like, oh, kid, like they're your dad telling you everything's going to be okay. It makes me feel like everything's going to be okay. It, no, it does. There's a way to conduct yourself and talk. And I think for the better part of five years, we've been hearing from, you know, a sadistic, mm-hmm. uh, evil, mad mm-hmm. man um, mm-hmm. that nothing out of his mouth was true it was all false. It was all out for himself and all out to hurt no matter who it was. Um, and it was, and as it progressed on, he, he won, he did this. He just made life worse for a lot of people. He, um, caused a divide. He caused a divide. He brought out the worst in people and made it, not okay, but he made it okay for terrorists and Nazis and racists and bigots to be part of society um, for so long. And anytime he would speak, it would be angry and mean. 
he was literally the equivalent to Hitler where maybe he didn't have a Nazi army killing people in his own country, but he tried to get rid of the press. He told lies constantly in newspapers. He, I mean, he really, and then anybody who was associated with a neo-Nazi group, a hate group, he publicly, publicly always said they're good people. Yeah. Well, and we can get into proof, the final like cherry on top of like the perfect culmination of what his words has caused was that Capitol raid, the terrorist attack uh, on January 6th, which showed exactly his true colors. One of his followers thinking that before the speech he gave before that essentially made them feel like they needed to go attack the Capitol. Um, but also the words that he said to them uh, while they were attacking the Capitol, like, the fact that he told him, we love you, we understand, we care about you, just go home. In comparison to people who were marching for Black Lives Matter because of deaths, like George Floyd's deaths, people like Ahmed Aubrey, Breonna Taylor, like, uh, like wrongful deaths, he is getting mad at them and calling them thugs and saying when the looting starts, the shooting starts, like no empathy for them at all. But if a bunch of idiots want to go raid the Capitol and five people die from it. Y'all y'all basically it's okay. I get it. They stole an election from us. I, I I'm there with you. Oh, or, or the fact that they told they were shouting, literally hang Mike Pence. They want to hang your vice president, sir. No, no. It, that's why I said it right when it happened. These are not protesters. These are terrorists. They mm-hmm. attacked. These are Nazis. Yep. And, uh, it's you got to call it what it is like that it's insane and he incited that he said in the great part you know like hitler would say like we're gonna do this together we're gonna march down together and mm-hmm. like yeah he went the other way and went to like a safe place and watched it all happen on tv and smiled of what he did yep he didn't it took him forever to even say anything at first he just sat back and he didn't even say he didn't even give any kind of remark about the cop that died. Mr. Back the Blue, you didn't even say anything no, like, I'm sorry. he's not going to. He would, no. he would never apologize for what he did. He, when, he it, it will never happen. He doesn't take any blame. And it, it's, it's just infuriating, the, the hypocrisy of his followers and him. It's just like, as I watch these videos of people who the reason oh no we just don't support black lives matter because blue lives matter and we with the police thank you to the police oh well when they're in our way to get to the capitol so that we can like i don't know threaten democracy and stuff uh they're they're pussies and traitors no and he called and he called the uh the troops losers the veterans losers oh, yeah, he's He's he, which was he, the best part of the Nazi, the terrorist that died because she was a former veteran who was fighting for Trump, mm-hmm. but he called her a loser, which is just so amazing to me. Yeah, <laughs> hilarious. Yeah, and it's 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 so it's so sad. Like it's just sad that that's what our world had come to. Like that. Oh, I don't even want to count that in 2021 because I feel like that was an end of an era. No, I think I think 2021 kind of started yesterday. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. I agree. Yeah. That's when it started. Yeah, it started yesterday. So the Capitol raid happened. It, I mean, it was awful. It's terrible. But 
luckily he's out Mm -hmm. and the inauguration, you know, it wasn't the uh, inauguration that we wanted uh, because we wanted so many people to be out there and happy and joyous and celebrate with him. But we can't do that because of COVID and the security measures that happened because of the raid. But I mean, it was a fantastic inauguration. It was did a great job. Like Susan said, I mean, I watched it live. You know, I got teared up um, because I mean, it's just all from five years. It's just kind of it's all been building, you know, mm-hmm. Susan and I are lucky enough to kind of be involved in a career where we can escape all of that yeah, and escape into film and television and have fun. And then we were have to be reminded of, Oh, what did this asshole do today? Yeah. And um, because he had access to his social media and he would just constantly spew crazy stuff out constantly in the middle of the night, in the middle of the day. (laughs) And it's just like, when does it ever end? It's really bad. And just to have it all washed away and kind of after like the, the climactic battle scene, basically. Yeah, it was. With new, great, amazing people who really want to see the world better um, it's just a breath of fresh air and to have, you know, um, the speakers that spoke there today and three past presidents come together and talk about was, it. Like, that was great. No, it's pretty cool. So like they got sworn in. It's great. I mean, you have an amazing Lady Gaga, uh, national anthem, like fantastic. Um, you have JLo performing really well there. And then you have this, uh, this kid, this 22-year-old kid named Amanda Gorman come and give one of the best speeches in years. Yeah, Yeah, poems, speeches. I mean, this girl's going places. I I, I watched her interviewed uh, last night on CNN and Uh you're just like, man, I remember when I was at 22, I was (laughs) not there. (laughs) No, no. (laughs) Like, she's on a different level. Mm -hmm. And uh it was just it was so cool and then um after that you know just seeing just happiness and humans being human showing emotion showing love and then later on in the day you're getting the performances the songs and then a big spectacular fireworks show that showed uh the president and the first lady like holding each other excited like it was pretty cool. Yeah. Well, that's another thing. We actually get to see a uh, president and first lady that actually look like they like each other. That's really right. Nice. Yeah. And and um, a vice president and the first gentleman uh, that okay, like yeah. each other. Like, and, and they come from oh, a yeah. big, big, great family. Uh, like, it just seems very happy, and they know what they need to do. They got. Mm-hmm. I mean, literally after the inauguration. Biden signed like 16 or 17 things into effect, like, like went to work right away and not with a Sharpie either with actual. (laughs) Um, And it's, you know, just speaks volumes. Um, The performances were all pretty cool. You know, Mm -hmm. I liked, I liked it. One of the funniest bits to me was Tom Hanks 
hosting it and he seemed so he was like live at the Capitol and he did not have enough clothing on it looked like so he he was frozen (laughs) the entire time and like almost unhappy that he had to do this in the cold it was pretty funny um he did a great job though no he did he did a great well he's a professional he's Tom Hanks but you could absolutely tell that he was cold as fuck (laughs) which by the way that to me when I heard that was happening I was like Talk about like having like one of the most beloved people be hosting your like celebration. That was just, he just, so it just, everybody came out for Biden and like nobody comes out for Trump. It's just awesome. (laughs) No, it's amazing. And it's, I mean, and it shows that Trump, you know, not showing up for the inauguration, which is, you know, and then not showing up to support the troops where they lay the wreath on. Like, it's just, Mm -hmm. I mean, we're so glad he wasn't there, but I mean, it just shows the type of person he is. It's just like, thank you. We're always nothing. You will always be nothing. Mm -hmm. Goodbye forever. Just go and hopefully choke on something at Mora Largo. So we don't have to hear or see you ever again. So I just, and then to have Bush and Clinton and Obama just come and stand together and just talk, you know, about the situation and the transfer of power and wishing Biden and the success well. Like it's, it's what people needed to hear. They know it's like you just see like it does. And I might say like, oh shit, Bill Clinton looks old. Yeah, well, yeah he's old. He I- is. And Bush looked funnier than ever like he seemed like he's always having a good time happy to see people and i think you know even though bush is just such a such a bad president but like i feel like him and his wife just love each other they love life oh yeah well there that was the one thing that was always really hard like why why he probably won two terms is that george w bush was a likable guy like he just is a guy you legit want to have a beer with like yeah i mean he's just and at least, I mean, I wish he would have voted the other way, but he never voted for Trump, even the first time. He still never, the guy had some common sense to know he didn't like Trump. And he's actually like friends with the Obamas. Like, Right. No, for sure. That's how pe- normal people are. Yeah. And so can I ask you a question? Mm-hmm. Why is it that the coolest, most beautiful person on the earth is Michelle Obama? Uh- <laughs> <laughs> Like she is very, very like amazing. Did you see the way she like strutted in there with the like, that- well, there's Michelle and who's the guest she's bringing. Yeah. <laughs> I know. She's amazing. She no. is. She's wonderful. She's a badass. She's a superhero. Like, I mean, like she is. my goodness, it's just every time she walks in a room, like I want to hang out with former president Obama, but I really want to hang out with Michelle. (laughs) That would be a fun double date. I would say out of any former president and uh, their spouse, I would want to double date with them. It would be an amazing time. Right. So uh, performances by Bon Jovi doing a Beatles cover, which was, you know, it was all right. Katy Perry doing firework, which was great. I liked that one the best. I thought that was a perfect one. Yeah. Ended the show. I mean, it was pretty, pretty amazing. Um, I liked the, uh, <laughs> the Despacito song. Oh, I like the that too. We're going back and forth from their houses doing that, which cracked me up. Cause I don't like the song Despacito, Oh my God, but I love it, it. it cracked me up that that was that I was like, Oh, they're doing this. This is funny, but it's like, feel good, happy. Yeah. You know, 
I liked it. That's what I needed right now. I needed these top 40 pop song type right. of thing. Oh, I like the um the rent song. The Oh yeah, the rent song was good. Yeah, uh, that was good too. A lot oh, of this huh? go ahead, go ahead, go ahead, go ahead. No, I just thought it was funny that a lot of the songs were as if like we were like just done with a war, which I know it's what we feel like. It's like like here comes the sun. It's like there's a, it's a new it's again, it's a new day, y'all. It's finally the light at the end of the tunnel. We're here. Yeah. We're and gonna get let, through this. Um Aquarius, let the sun shine in. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. That, sun, you know? Yeah. Aquarius. Uh yeah, it was a. Uh, it it was good. It was um it was good. And mm-hmm. I think starting yesterday, I think we're all so happy and I'm so glad that, you know, he's made it clear that there will be a White House press briefing every day. It'll be up front. It'll be honest. Mm-hmm. And they've, they, I mean, so far they've done it. And, you know, it's, you know, it's not going to be like, we're not answering that, you know, in lies and slander. It's just like, oh, yeah, it's something that I don't need to watch. It's like, I, I feel comfortable. Yeah. Yeah. So for sure. For sure. Um, did you want to talk about our favorite? presidents from television and film yes i do (laughs) (laughs) so are we just going down a list are we starting with tv or starting with movies what are we doing i don't have as many tv but either one either one what do you i I have i have three televisions oh okay i don't feel as bad i have two oh no i have i have four i have four oh okay okay so you go first all right um so i this was pretty easy well okay so scandal uh fitz was just like a shitty president like he wasn't very he will he, i like he was he on was cnn a, wasn't he like doing like his bit on cnn for the inauguration he? i think so the guy who played fitz yeah oh i didn't see that um well he actually played it what i did like is he played like a liberal republican so i really enjoyed that part of him but other than that he sucked but so who I did like was Millie, who eventually in the last season becomes president, his wife. Uh, she was awesome as president. So and then really all I could think of was Leslie Nope at the end of um, at the end of Parks and Rec. Was it like alluding to her that she was going to be president later? Yeah, no, it did, it did allude to her to be president. Yes. Well, like, I, think, I she- think that was the goal that she was going to run or something like right, that. Right, right, right. So I. I know maybe we didn't see her be it, but I just imagine she'd be the best president. And she right. had like such a crush on Biden. I that was of, great. <laughs> I've thought of her this whole time. Like yesterday, I was just thinking of her being like, is this real? Is this happening? Like, <laughs> Leslie Nope would be so happy. So that's all I have for TV. Okay. So those are good. Um, mine, of course, Joe Bartlett from the West Wing, Martin Sheen. Okay. Um, great, great one right there. Also, I have to give a shout out to Mr. President from the, uh, the Rick and Morty TV series voiced by Keith David, who's hilarious in the show as Mr. President. Um, it's pretty fantastic. There's a rap scene with it. It's wonderful. Also one of my favorite presidents of all time in television, President David Palmer from 24, Kiefer Sutherland. Holy shit. Um, Susan, if you've never seen 24, um, it's a good show. But President Palmer is probably the most badass president ever. Like there's a scene in one of the first couple episodes, maybe the first episode where President Palmer, um, who's played by uh, Serrano in Major League, <laughs> the voodoo guy. Okay. Um, um, 
he's walking in a, a parking garage. He's walking to his car and two like thugs come up to him with a baseball bat and they go to hit him. And he just like catches the bat in his hand. I mean, it's just like badass, but he's an amazing president, David Palmer. And then of course, Selena Meyer on HBO's Veep, who's was normally the vice president through the whole show, but there was a, there was a time when she did become president and Holy shit. She was funny and just, you know, a lot about her, but it was good. It was, she was a, she was a good president and uh, brought it to, brought it. Julia Louise Dreyfus. Wonderful. So Selena Meyer, David Palmer, Rick and Morty president and uh, Joe Bartlett. So those are my TV ones. Nice. Nice. Some good ones there. Um, well, movies, I got, uh, well, Bill Pullman and Independence Day. Because <laughs> you like you like that speech, right? That speech remember. he gives. What does he give? I don't even remember. Right when he's talking to the pilots to go kill the aliens, you know? Today is our <laughs> Independence Day. Oh. Haven't, into the night. <laughs> <laughs> haven't seen the movie in so long. But in general, I also just really like Bill Pullman. But it was better than in the, the terrible second film. They just, like, kill him off, like. Yes, Quickly. yeah, I think a, I think it's a lady president. I don't remember who it is, but yeah, they did. Oh, yes. yeah, in yeah, the yeah. second one, lady yeah, lady president. But then, but they kill his character off. That's right, right, they kill him off, and I guess Will Smith's character died off. <laughs> oh yeah, <laughs> so they, he was he didn't even show. They talk about him, yeah. Yeah. Um, I like. I actually like the movie White House Down with Jamie Fox and uh, Channing Tatum, but okay, the uh, James Sawyer. So yeah. Uh, uh, Jamie Foxx is president. I like that. Uh, also, uh, did you ever see Southside with you, the Obama and Michelle? No, I wanted to see that, but I never saw it. Okay. Like, I got to interview the, the actors that played them as well. Parker Sawyers as Obama. Um, they, well, I just, I thought he did such a great Obama. Like, I mean, awesome. I know te- technically he didn't become, it was like when he was just Obama. Michelle was like their first date reenactment it was a really nice movie um i hate this movie but daniel day lewis did a great job as lincoln in in lincoln oh in lincoln yes i totally forgot about that because it is a boring terrible (laughs) movie and anybody who says they liked it i don't believe you they don't believe it spielberg is still on his like kick of really bad movies still like ready player one's okay but it's just they're war horse and lincoln it's just like oh why are we doing this like why are you putting me through this movie um but daniel day lewis did a great job uh and um i love the movie the first kid i don't even know who his dad was but i just had to put it because you know they have all these movies of like president kid and stuff like that but was the sinbad first- in that yeah sinbad is in it and uh it's just one of my like favorite films from when I was like a kid and I watched it even I've watched it on Disney plus and stuff. It still holds up. And um, I just, just as a, you know, his dad's the president in there. So I'm just going to give it to, to them too, just because I like the movie. Nice. What about you? All right. So first off, do you know Bill Pullman's president name in Independence Day? uh thomas something yeah thomas j whitmore yeah 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 there you go (laughs) okay um so mine for movies i've got to give a shout out to james dale president james dale played by jack nicholson in mars attacks 
never watched it. Okay. You've never watched Mars Attacks, the Tim Burton uh-huh. movie with the aliens that come? No, because I remember that and I was like, ugh, it looked disturbing. There's like 50 A-list movie stars in that movie. Wow. <laughs> you know, it's crazy. Um, but yeah, Jack Nicholson plays the president and he also plays like a degenerate over-the-top gambler, like dual role. But yeah, James Dale, Mars Attacks. Um, I'm going to have to go with Andrew Shepard, um, the American president played by um, Michael Douglas, which I okay. really like that movie. He was a president and he was single. And um, I really liked that. Annette Benning was in it. Um, I liked that movie a lot. It was really good. Um, I'm going to go with a fun one. Head of State, President Mays Gilman, played by Chris Rock. Oh, <laughs> Head of State. Right. I like that one. I'm going to go with President Dave Kovic from the movie Dave, uh, Kevin Klein, where okay. I guess there was a president who really had like a health issue that put him in a coma and they got uh-huh. uh, Kevin Klein, who I guess was the exact lookalike to this guy and made him the president to not freak anybody out. So oh, okay. and he ends up falling in love with Sigourney Weaver, a great movie. Um, and then, of course, uh, one of the best presidents of all time, President James Marshall, Harrison Ford from Air Force One, mm-hmm. who not only is a president, but can take out a bad guy. Yeah. In the, in, in the, in the Mile High Club, in the air. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, those, are, those are the presidents I came up with. I'm sure there's tons more. Yeah, but, yeah. Uh, I, like, I like those for sure. My the only other thing I thought of, but I was like, I guess I could have put it was whenever Michael Scott did his like episode of threat level midnight or whatever. And Daryl got to be the president. <laughs> the president. I thought of that. I kept thinking of that. Why like, did you say that? That's a I don't know. I, just, I guess because I felt like it didn't count, but I guess it could. Cause he was like, he was like, I did this role because I thought it would be good for my daughter to see a black man as president. What a waste of time. Because <laughs> <Like, laughs> <laughs> did Morgan Freeman play uh Morgan Freeman play the president and God at some point or then Obama? Yes. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, you're right. Morgan Freeman did. I, I never saw the movie and God in uh Bruce Almighty. Yeah. Right. No, that's that's funny. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, threat level midnight. I totally forgot about that one. I told I would have mentioned that. Uh, I'm glad you did. Yeah. <laughs> that is good. Um, any, anybody else, anything else? Do you have any memories from inauguration days or elections or somebody being sworn in? I was trying to think about that. I was like, man, I, I certainly do not remember. Like I remember that Bill Clinton was president and at the time, like my family was cool with it. And I barely remember the Monica Lewinsky thing. And then I do not even remember any inauguration for Bush. I was really young. Uh, I remember when Obama won. I was at UNT and I was in my dorm. And when he won, I remember specifically hearing people celebrating in like outside. I could hear people cheering and screaming and being so happy. I remember, like, I feel like that, I never thought we would get that again until this year. But at that moment, I was like, wow, because it was like, oh, my God, the first black president, you know, like that was so huge. People were really like happy about it. Um, I don't think I cared enough about politics, though, to watch his inauguration. And then I remember how horrible I felt when Trump won. That was like I might have cried. I was like really, really upset. I avoided his inauguration like the plague. 
And then, I mean, honestly, I have never been happier than I, I was when Biden won. Cool. I think. I hear you. What about I re- you? I remember Clinton um, mm-hmm. for sure. I was really young when Bush was got it. Yeah. And Reagan got it. Um, but I remember Clinton because I remember he came out and he played saxophone. And I thought that was the coolest thing. So I wanted to start wow. playing saxophone. So I started playing clarinet and sax because of Bill Clinton, which a lot of kids did my age. That's because neat. it was so cool. He wore the sunglasses. He played the sax. Like, it was cool. Uh-huh. Um, and then with Bush, I was in college, my first year in college at, at Kansas. And... It was so crazy. I was in the dorm room at Naismith and uh, I, you know, nobody knew because that election was, didn't make sense. Like Gore won the election and then all of a sudden Fox News called it for Bush and then everybody else started calling it for Bush. It didn't make sense. And then we were out with a decision like this time for several days mm-hmm. or weeks. Um but I remember voting for Gore and I remember that and everybody was pretty upset, but not to the extent. And I remember the uh, inauguration, nobody was really happy about it. And I remember Obama very happy about that. Um, My comic book store, when I had my comic book store in Oak Cliff, my comic book store was the democratic um, hub for Dallas. Oh, okay. So all of the streets were blocked off with thousands of people celebrating. Like it was really cool. And my comic book store is there. Like it was, it was a night to remember uh-huh. that he got elected. Um, and the inauguration was amazing. I remember my friends in Chicago wanted me to come up there and be there for that. But I remember watching it uh, on TV. It was great. Um, Trump, Trump was elected on my birthday oh. on November 9th, 2016. Sorry. Oh, I did not want to get out of bed. Um, I got out of bed. The only reason I got out of bed and not in a f- want to kill myself was because Obama tweeted, the sun is still going to rise. Uh-huh. There will be hope. And so I'm like, thank you. I'm getting up. And then yeah. it was a blur for a while. <laughs> and then, <laughs> yeah. and then uh, this happened and it's just, you know, you know, you and I, and then uh, another friend, through this whole election process and debates, I think you and I were the sole people just constantly texting and talking about our feelings about it. Like, I really think texting with you really helped get through it. And like, yeah, I, so I remember, I will always remember that. And I will remember it actually happening, getting elected. And, and then just like this sweet sigh of relief and just like this gross dirt crud, washed away i feel like that maybe for the rest of america for the most part right now yeah that like you know it's kind of uh kind of like lord of the rings uh the 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 eye the the eye has been fallen the ring has been thrown in and is destroyed the sun has come out type of thing so yeah i feel like that right now (laughs) there's i really i think you're right like i will not forget I'll definitely not forget like the election night, definitely all the texting that we did, but like that night and being scared because I was scared the election night, but also remembering it was a Saturday when we were texting that it was like called and he won. And that was something I was like happy, but oddly enough, the Capitol raid was so, so bad. It was bad. Like, and I, I hated that it happened, but when we knew 
that it went blue for the Senate. And it was just like a, like across the board, like house Senate president. Yeah. It was hard not to be like Trevor. Trevor's like, it's a good day. Like it was yeah. kind of weird. It was weird. Cause you know, this horrible thing happened. And I was like, yeah, but all this other stuff is actually like there because change could happen. Now change can happen. Right. No, for sure. You know, it was a good, like we, we finally got this, we got it. Mm-hmm. And I mean, it really took like, even after that raid, there were some fucking assholes that still contested the election after it. But it, I mean, it wasn't going to go anything. They had to follow by the book and take the time. But I mean, it was like that last second. It really was Avengers like end yep. game. Like the worst is going to happen. You're down and beat up. And then, you know, they come in and it happened and it's amazing. <laughs> It is. Like the movies. So mm-hmm. that's our main event. That's our president talk. Let's move into our blind watch. <laughs> it was my pick this week. Um, and it was an amazing one. Of course, the blind watch is where we switch off each episode, picking a movie that we both have not ever seen. And we watch it. We're going to talk to you about it right now. That's blind watch. It was my turn to pick. And I picked 1984's Dreamscape. <laughs> <laughs> I can't believe I've never seen this movie. Which I'm surprised too. Yeah, but I was working. It's like, oh shit, I've never seen this movie. Let's watch it. Blind watch. Um, this movie's from 1984. It was directed by Joseph Rubin, who um, did this movie, but also went on to direct the horror movie The Stepfather, Sleeping with the Enemy, and The Good Son um, with Macaulay wow. Culkin. Oh, yeah, yeah, we talked about this. Yeah. I, yeah. With Macaulay Culkin and Elijah Wood. Um, (laughs) It was produced by Chuck Russell, written by David Lowry. um, Not the David Lowry today, but another name. Um, Along with Chuck Russell and Joseph Rubin, um, the director and other producer. And it stars a crazy fucking cast of a very young Dennis Quaid, Max von Sydow, who of course was the priest and exorcist, Christopher Plummer, the head of the Von Trapp family in uh, Sound of Music, mm-hmm. Kate Capshaw, who's most famous for Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom, who during that movie married Steven Spielberg. They're still together today, along with a few other yeah. people. Um, yeah, this movie's kind of crazy and weird uh-huh. and inception like and monster weird like and okay so that's a little background about the movie before we go into synopsis but first i want to hear from susan susan what was your uh thoughts going into the movie pre-movie and then what was your thought after the movie i first i was like oh lord that's like (laughs) Like, how old is this? This looks like a stupid monster film. Like, I thought it was a dumb monster film. Um, So I was not excited. Uh, I do like Dennis Quaid enough. So I was kind of like, all right, I guess let's give him a shot, especially in his younger days. Um, But afterwards, it was okay. (laughs) okay. (laughs) It was was better than you thought. Uh, Yeah, because I was thinking I was like, well, it starts so like the the CGI, whatever the the weird graphics. I don't even know. It is just terrible. It makes it brings down. <laughs> like it starts with some lady like running from like the fakest fire. And I think I texted you. I was like, Oh Lord, Brian, 
what is this? <laughs> like, I was like, is this what it's going to be the whole time? But no, like the story was good. Actually, it really made me think, did like Christopher Nolan look at this movie and think, ooh, Inception. No, so. it's, uh, it, it has to be. So like, it's interesting. So the movie itself, like going into this movie, I was like, I think I'm going to really like this movie because it's like nostalgic 80s pure sci-fi horror thriller type stuff it's got dennis quaid and it's got all these people and i think i'm gonna really like this movie in the poster art the original poster arts by drew struzan who did like all the indiana jones original poster star wars posters you know he's the one that you know draws the artwork it's very iconic so he did the one for this one too so it looked it looks like an indiana jones movie basically mm-hmm. and the movie itself the acting's good the the story's good, the setup's yeah. good, but, and I think the filming is good. However, I think they okay. have such a low budget that the amount of money that was spent on visual effects and what they could do with it, like as far as like big sweeping camera angles, because this movie kind of needs that, but there was none of that. It looks like it was filmed in like somebody's house, yeah. <laughs> but like it doesn't look like it was filmed really on a sound stage for most of the part, which is fine. But like when it was filmed on a sound stage, I mean, you could tell, like I was thinking in my head, Oh my God, they're going to run out of set here. If they step one more step to the right, like we will yeah. see like the stage. Um, so I think that aspect was bad, but however, the cinematography, the cinematographer for this movie, the person who like actually lenses it and films it is Brian Tufano. And he went on to um, be the cinematographer for movies like uh, Blade Runner, uh, doing a photography for that. But his biggest thing he did was uh, Train Spotting by Dan- Danny Boyle, which is an amazing looking movie, mm-hmm. um, along with A Life Less Ordinary by Danny Boyle. Um, I did, there's just, he's done good, but this movie, it was one of his first ones and there really wasn't a lot of money. And it's just kind of like, oh man, did they spend all their money getting Christopher Plummer and Max von Sydow? <laughs> because it looks like they didn't have enough. Yeah. Is that a little right? Maybe. A... <laughs> yeah. It just, it didn't look good. Honestly, like I, I just didn't like the, I didn't think it was filmed very well at times. I thought it was shot poorly and it just, I mean, I, it was 1984, right? It was 1984. Yes. I just feel like I've seen films that were better shot than that in that. No, decade, there, that are, there is, but I so, really think that there wasn't a lot of money to use yeah. with this. And it just, right. Like the, the visuals kind of take away from the movie, yeah. even though it's kind of made like directed well and that you can follow what's happening. You know yeah. exactly what's happening. I like that aspect. So the movie is kind of about this guy, uh, Dennis Quaid. He plays a guy named Alex, who's a psychic. And I guess in his like earlier days, he was studied. He was in a lab. People did experiments on him and he got out of that life and he uses psychic abilities uh, for what probably most people would do with them is to gamble on horse races and gamble at casinos. He's just doing that life. And he's constantly in trouble from bookies and other people. Um, so I guess 
this this scientists reach out to him um this, these dream people these dream scientists reach out to him and say like we need your psychic ability because i think we developed a program where you can enter somebody's dream and help them out uh solve their problems and get them better from whatever they're suffering from yeah. and so one of those people happened to be the president of the united states which is a perfect movie for this podcast right now yeah. um and so the president is having a dream, which we see in the opening scene of the film, of his wife running away from a nuclear blast the size of like Terminator 2, nuclear blast that wipes out everything. And his wife, and he wakes up in a panic. So the president is making decisions based on this, uh, this nightmare he's having. So he wants to get help and they want Alex to go into the dream. The doctor is... Um, Max von Sydow and the president's aide uh, right-hand man is Christopher Plummer, who's actually an evil guy who wants to kill him through his dream. And so it kind of is like Inception going into people's dreams, making them think something else, helping them type of thing. And like Susan said, it's hard to, to not believe that uh, Christopher Nolan drew inspiration for Inception here. Yeah. <laughs> But whereas Inception was like a perfect movie, this kind of dealt in kind of like a cool aspect of nightmares where like what you're scared of shows up like a giant snake man and yeah. like kind of like a Nightmare on Elm Street creepy vibe to it um, in parts. Uh, Which Nightmare on Elm Street was shot better than this film. Right. Well, I mean, Russ Craven's <laughs> fucking amazing. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but yeah, this... Uh, it was really weird. I mean, it's it's an interesting movie. It's completely predictable for yeah. sure. Yeah. Like I think that I think that's why I call I say it's okay because the minute you watch it, I mean, I already knew. I was like, I, I think I texted you. Was like, he wants to kill the president. Like he wants to use him to kill the president. And I was just like, it wasn't. It was okay because there was nothing. Fun, to me, nothing that unique about it. Nothing that fun. It was just kind of like. Okay, like maybe at the, for the time, maybe for the time it was, but now. Eh. So now I want to I want to know because I wonder if this movie would be me tooed, um, because there's a certain scene. So Kate Capshaw, who oh, plays one yeah. of the scientists, um, and Alex, played by Dennis Quaid. Um, Kate Capshaw is one of the scientists. Dennis Quaid's a sidekick, and they kind of like each other, but they're not going after it. But Dennis Quaid's kind of like, yeah, I kind of like you. Let's let's go out. Come on, go out with me. She's like, no. And then she's asleep one night, and Dennis Quaid gets into her dream, and they have like a, a wet dream, a sexual dream together. And she wakes up, and she feels very violated. So that scene felt kind of gross <laughs> because it it's like... It did, but I was like, I mean, in the dream... It's she wanted him in the dream. Right, correct. So and, I mean, they end up together. Yeah, and they end up together. So I don't, honestly, I didn't feel that weird. It, it'd be weird if he was like touching her while she was asleep. Right. But it was just, it was going into a dream and she was wanting him in the dream. So they were right. like almost having sex in the dream. So I, eh, I, I think that'd be really ridiculous to get upset over that because it was your subconscious. Like he wasn't actually physically touching her. Correct. Correct. And like, I mean, she gets really mad at him after that, but there is like a chemistry between them. She likes him. He likes her, you know, I think it works, but it kind of feels like, Oh, what? I mean, yeah. 
would a sidekick really do this? Would that be fun? I guess for me, I was thinking he's going in here to see, oh, does she even have feelings for me? Let's see. Well, if I appear in a dream, what happens? Kind of like that. And exactly what happened that he hoped. And so I'm, I would be like, y'all calm down. If you get upset, I was like, I don't think that was like, I, I thought it was fine. Right. And so towards the end of the movie, the big climax battle between the snake man, the villain, getting everybody to safety and whatnot. Like Inception, Christopher Nolan ends the movie, you know, for the most part, are they still in a dream or is it reality? Mm-hmm. And that kind of is the same way this movie ends where, they're on a train and the ticket taker from their sexual dream appears in reality, allegedly. And yeah. it kind of ends with the train taking off and, you know, something like that. Uh, them acknowledging like what, what is, what's happening here. Right. So, I mean, <laughs> you got to think like Joseph Ruba, Dennis Quaid and Kate Capshaw, when they saw Inception of like, I was in this movie in 1984. Oh, 100%. They had to be like, is this not dreamscape? Did Christopher Nolan like talk to like somebody like what the hell? Um, yeah, I'm sure. I'm sure. Uh, but it was I, in that, honestly, that might've been the thing that I liked most about it was like, it reminded me of inception. And because obviously it was way before inception, I was like, Ooh, but other than that, meh. Right. So, and so the music of the film was uh, made by Maurice Jar, who did the music for Ghost, Lawrence of Arabia, Lawrence of Arabia, Fatal Attraction, um, Doctors of Bago, like some of the best film scores. But this film score was really not good. <laughs> I was about to say I can't even remember anything. Like it did not impress me enough to remember any of it. <laughs> like- no, it was. It didn't feel like a like the movie that it was supposed to be scored for really. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. So, and interestingly enough, this movie was the second PG 13 movie ever to be released in the States. The, yeah, the second only PG 13, the the second movie ever to be released is PG 13 was this movie dreamscape. You know what the first one was that came out a week prior to this one? Red Dawn with Patrick Swayze. Okay. Red Dawn was the first PG-13 movie ever released, and this was the second, Dreamscape. And if when you see it, there's not really any cursing, there's not really any blood, but there's some kind of scary sequences. So it's definitely not a PG movie, but it's definitely not an R movie either. So no. I can get, like going back on it, I would say Red Dawn is definitely an R movie. And I'm surprised. I thought it was. I haven't seen it, but I thought just from what I've heard about it, I thought it was. So you never seen the original? No, I haven't seen any Red Dawn movie. Oh my God, Susan, please watch Red Dawn. <laughs> Holy shit. It's like, it's a crazy violent movie, but really good. Um, and that got a PG-13 movie, which I know they've upped their standards. I'm sure we'll get it an R today. Mm-hmm. But uh, this movie was the perfect for PG-13, I think. Like I, I really I mean, do. I, I thought so too. I thought it was a, to me, it, it would be a PG 13 for sure. Um, and so to this day on Rotten Tomatoes, this movie has like a, what, 78% rating. Like people I like so this movie. I would not have given it. I give that like a 60. That's still pretty good in the scheme of things. Yeah. Right. That's still a passing grade. Right? Isn't 59 not- the failing grade? Uh, a D. 
60, 60 is a D in college in uh, high school. It's failing for where I went to high school. Okay. So it's a D so still passing. So uh, Kevin Costner was offered a role in this movie to play the bad guy. He turned it down. <laughs> uh, good job <laughs> good choice, good choice. You, you will go on to make very like many better movies no for sure for sure um and uh yeah i thought that was like kind of like a fun um kind of a fun little thing kevin costner was part of this movie or may sure. almost was part of this movie he just said no to it yeah um so yeah dreamscape i mean it's a fun i mean you honestly recommend it like you tell people watch this movie i mean it's a 1984 movie yes i'm going to recommend it for this reason uh it has a crazy cast in it you got to see christopher Plummer, max von Sydow, kate capshaw george went and uh dennis quit not is it dennis yeah dennis quaid in this young ass movie and just see kind of like where you know nightmare on elm street and inception like could have gone but didn't you know this was kind of like a sci-fi horror kind of not everybody was on the same page type of movie and i think it's i mean it's but it's still good though and i think it's fun to see stuff like that Meh, i think there's better i think there's better there's definitely better but i think i mean you could still watch yeah, not sure. great movies you want to. yeah you could watch paint dry if you want it's fine <laughs> this movie's better than watching paint dry i know i just i just think there's like so much better content out there right now but if you really are interested sure go ahead yeah definitely like 1980s cheap sci-fi horror with a crazy cast yes go do it okay go yeah go do go do it all right so that's our blind watch uh our next episode will be centered around valentine's day so I would imagine it'll be Susan's choice. So hopefully we're hoping for a real violent romantic <laughs> horror movie. <laughs> I got to see what's in there. I'm excited. To pick <laughs> All right. And now our, to wrap up this episode of no BS with Brian and Susan, uh, we're going to give a couple of honorable mentions, a couple of the films or TV shows that we've been watching that we want you to watch. Mm-hmm. Want me to start? Yes, yes, please. Oh, okay. All right. Well, one of my early favorites of the year, which I guess it's weird how they're doing like movies for this year because you don't know if some of these movies got pushed back and they were supposed to be released in 2020. So you don't really know what it is, but I'm going to count this as this year. But Our Friend, starring Casey Affleck, Jason Siegel, and Dakota Johnson, it is such a great movie. Oh my gosh. I was. How do I watch this? Um, it is available on demand tomorrow. Tomorrow Ooh. it's available on demand uh, and in theaters if people are going, but uh, you can watch it on demand. It is based on a true story. The This guy, Matthew Teague, I believe was his name. He wrote this article about a friend of his, him and his wife who was just like there for them uh, while his wife had cancer. And it is, it's just, I think it's beautifully written. It's well edited. I love the like nonlinear of it. And it's just amazing performances by all three, probably one of Jason Siegel's best performances. Um, 
I just really, really enjoyed like the, it, it, to me, it tells like a beauty of friendship all around. So anyways, definitely watch that movie. Uh, also, I don't know if it's out on HBO max yet, but Judas and the black Messiah. Did you watch that one yet, Brian? I have not, but I want to. Um, it's good. It is definitely good. It's very relevant to today. Sadly. Um, it's about like the black Panther party, like the leader of it. Uh, it great performances too. Um, Daniel Kaluuya. Is that the guy from the get from get out? Yes. Can't ever say his name. And black Panther. That's right. He was in black Panther. Oh my gosh. I forgot. Well, I was thinking about him. He's in this. And then, Lakeith, Lakeith, um, Lakeith Stanfield, who, yeah, yeah he's. Who, they were both in Get years. Out, yeah, both in Get Out and Short Term Twelve, yeah, good stuff. Yeah, so uh, he's he's great in this too. They both do a really fantastic job. But um, anyways, it's it's a great movie, but just hard to watch. Extremely hard to watch because of all the injustice and you know racism. So, but. That was that's one that's going to be available on HBO Max. I can't remember exactly when it's available. Um, let's look that up right now. Uh, but one, a movie that is available on HBO Max right now is The Lockdown. <laughs> with uh, oh, oh, Judas in the Black Messiah is available on February twelfth. Okay, February twelfth, right before Valentine's. It seems like a Valentine's Day movie. No, I would not. <laughs> recommend that then but uh the lockdown actually would probably work as a valentine's day movie if somebody really wanted to it's it's got it stars anne hathaway and chitwell edgefor they do a really great job it's very relevant to what's going on it's like hits home to to all of us in quarantine but it's it's a, it's another one that's just i just had to recommend it because if you wanted something to just kind of feel um like a a very easy watch then there you go it's an easy light-hearted um great cast there's some you'll see some more familiar faces in there and i like the ending so good good yeah all right uh is that is that all you got for your honorable yeah, mentions that's, that's all mine yeah all right i'll start out with what i think is the best movie of the year so far wow. you said our friend but i'm gonna say palmer Palmer. Okay. I'm going to watch that tonight. I'm going to try and watch it. Tonight. Good. Please text me. Um, Palmer starring Justin Timberlake and June Squibb and Alicia Wainwright. Uh, wonderful film directed by holy fuck Fisher Stevens, the actor in short circuit one and two. Hackers. Oh. Uh, like what? So, Basically, Justin Timberlake plays a former high school football star who um, turned felon who just got out of a 12-year prison sentence, comes back to start his life over quietly in a small town, Um, and he befriends this seven-year-old kind of unique kid, and they kind of, you know, form a bond, uh, uh, and it's like really sweet, really enduring. Um, It's, you know, of course, predictable, but man... And the acting's amazing. The script's great. And it's just a feel good movie uh, by the end of it. And we've talked about this before, Susan and I uh, personally, I like Justin Timberlake. He has always been on a path of getting better as an actor with every movie, like little by little, he's never like truly kind of there, 
But like this movie, man, he's really fucking good. He's like takes two or three extra steps up that uh, ascension to becoming great. Um, oh. I'm very excited about um, June Squibb's great of, as always. June, Juno Temple is amazing. Um, and the kid in this movie is, oh my goodness, great. Uh, Palmer, see it. Um, February, uh, no, January 29th on Apple TV. Uh, plus, will this be available? Palmer, look it up. Um, and then uh, a show that came out recently on Netflix, Bridgerton. If you like Victorian, old Victorian British shows and a lot of fucking, this is the show for you. This show is quite unbelievably amazing and fun, funny, uh, great. I loved all of it. Um, so basically, yes. Did you watch the show, Susan? No, I didn't. But everyone keeps telling me because I like Gossip Girl that I would like that. Yeah, Gossip Girl meets Downton Abbey. Like that's like rated X. Like it's Downton amazing. Abbey. Uh... Downton Abbey is one of the best shows. But no, it's but it's great. It's wonderful. Um, it has that. Um, it has that colorblind casting to it, which I love. Mm-hmm. I do like that. But it's really good, excellent acting, uh, fantastic stuff. And they just got renewed for a second season, so good for that. Uh, Something to take your mind off the world and the news and everything. It's called Bling Empire, season one on Netflix, exclusive. It's a TV show, reality TV show, much like the Keeping Up with the Kardashians. But instead of the horribleness and grotesqueness of the Kardashians, it follows a group of extremely, extremely wealthy Asians living in Los Angeles. Um, and um, the, these group, this group of people who are kind of unrelated, they just mm-hmm. they hang out because they have like billions of dollars. Um, their humanity, their pleasantness, their uniqueness – They are just so much fun to be around and genuinely care about people and themselves and their friends and others that it's just like so nice to see it. And, um, you know, the wealth part only plays a little bit into the first episode with like the craziness, but it just goes into their uh, relationships and stuff. And it's really good. It's really, really uh, a charming show. And I can't, I hope they come back for a second season. So Bling Empire, great, um, and kind of crazy to see, like, how certain few live, like, having, spending a few hundred thousand dollars on, like, a toddler's 100th day of living party, complete Mm -hmm. with a claw machine with only Gucci bags in it, like, it's crazy. Um, And then, of course, uh, if you're in a true crime, uh, The Night Stalker, Um, is a great, great a great four episode documentary series about the Night Stalker serial killer. Um, pretty wonderful, pretty crazy. Um, a lot of people are saying like, this will give you nightmares. I don't think it'll give you nightmares, but this is like well done and just kind of how crazy, how many murders and grotesque stuff happen in a short amount of time <laughs> within the mm-hmm. Los Angeles area. Uh, and then how, almost quickly the two police detectives uh, almost movie style, a rookie and a veteran uh, found and caught him, which ended like in a crazy batshit way. (laughs) So um, very good. Night Stalker, really good series. Highly recommend that. Um, Honorable mentions from Susan and I, that wraps up no BS. 
with Brian and Susan podcast. We are on Spotify, iTunes, iHeartRadio, Stitcher Radio, Google Play, Amazon. Just look us up. We know BS. Brian and Susan, <laughs> we're everywhere on the internet. Please find us. You can find Susan Stevens on Instagram, YouTube, uh, thischicksflicks.com. Yep. Um, ICTV Irving Community Television, right? ICTN.TV. Or yeah. just, it's better if you go to YouTube and type in City of Irving, but yeah. Yeah, there you go. Find her and you can find me everywhere. Hi, Def Digest, Boomstick Comics. Uh, Instagram is type in Brian Kluger or Susan Stevens. You'll find all of us. <laughs> uh, we'll be back for the Valentine's episode and hopefully it's just going to get really mushy and romantic and I don't know if I'll survive the uh, blind watch, but we'll see. <laughs> okay. I uh, will. Yeah, I, I, he actually, I'm not even worried. I used to be worried, but Brian seems to like the, some of the romantic films I picked. So I'm not even, I mean, you liked Geek Charming, so I'm I did, okay. I did. And I Valley did. Girl. So. And Valley Girl. I did like it. I did like it. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I feel okay about it. <laughs> okay, good, good. All right. We love you all. We'll talk to you soon. Bye.